0: Everybody, I would like to welcome you guys back to another episode of the Whole Story Sundays. I again am your host, Jaquille, the holistic one, Gilchrist, and today I'm very, very excited because I have a special guest for you all, Miss um, Janice Gregory, and I'm gonna go on ahead and let her introduce herself, and then we're gonna just hop back into the episode, okay? So you can go ahead and introduce yourself. Hello, my name is Janice Gregory. I'm currently employed uh, with a large healthcare network um, here in the state of Virginia. I have a bachelor's degree in sociology, and I also have a graduate's degree um, in human service counseling with a concentration of family advocacy and public policy. Yes. So guys, again, I just want to welcome you all back to another episode on the healing ship. Y'all know the healing ship is twofold, where on one end of it we will be you know having a team of accountability partners to assist us with our journey of wholeness and healing and then on the second layer of it is also being in a relationship with healing on your own. So um, this week's episode, we'll be discussing prevailing against all eyes, where we're discussing sex education, Um, and we're also going to be discussing, you know, soul ties and various different topics. So um, I'm going to start you guys off with some statistics. So according to the CDC, in 1990, there was approximate 1 million pregnancies and approximately 500,000 births to U.S. women between the ages of 15 through 19 years of age. Um, Also, according to childtrends.org, in 2017, out of 1,000 women ages 15 through 19, which was about 28% of those births were to African American young women. Childtrends.org also points out that although there, there has been a steady decline in teen pregnancy since 2007, teen birth, birth rates in the African-American and Hispanic communities still remain an area for concern. So, Janice, being that you were a part of that um, and you were a teen parent, my first question is, when did you first discover that you were pregnant? How old were you and what was your initial thought process? Um, I wasn't thinking. Okay. I I really, I just wasn't thinking. Mm -hmm. Um, I found out I was pregnant with my oldest child at the age of 15. Okay. And um, I think the most, I think the problem that I had was, and and I guess I was fearful at that time of Mm -hmm. disclosing that to my mom. Um, The second pregnancy, that was where things became a little hard for me mm-hmm. because your sister and yourself, um your mom. Yeah, and also guys, I forgot <laughs> to say that, but this is my mom. <laughs> so your sister and yourself are twenty three months apart. Yes. So with this pregnancy, um I struggled a little. Okay. I struggled a little because it was at a time where I should have been focused on graduating. Mm-hmm. I was watching um, my peers go to prom, you know, make make plans for graduation. They were making plans for their pro, post-graduate career, post-high um, school careers, whether it was college, military, or whatever it was, and here mm-hmm. I was planning for a baby for a second time. Wow. It was also hard for me because it was the state of the relationship at that time. Okay. The relationship was on a decline, mm-hmm. so... That was another issue for me. Correct. Um, and while carrying her, uh, ultimately I decided to terminate the pregnancy. Wow. Okay. Um, although I didn't, you know, God saw different Mm -hmm. and she was actually a live birth. I, um, I started going through emotionally. Mm -hmm. I already was, um, torn as a child anyway so uh you know just um suffered emotionally tremendous and this situation really really um it really done a number on me so mm-hmm. at that now I know at that time I was going through what they um refer to as situational depression okay okay so. so guys I'm just gonna expound on situational depression um the clinical world we call it actually clinical depression and actually if you have a dsm-5 or if you don't um referencing the dsm-5 the dsm-5 calls situational or clinical depression adjustment disorder so adjustment disorder is a short-term condition that occurs when a person has great difficulty with Or adjusting to a particular source of stress such as a major life change loss or an event so I'm gonna give you guys some examples of some of the events that can trigger or manifest into adjustment disorder so we have ending a relationship um, you know a catastrophe such as like a Hurricane Katrina um, and having to be displaced to go to a different state Uh, we have teen pregnancy and or an unexpected pregnancy, so like pregnancies that happen from from rape or pregnancies that happen when you were just at the height of your career, you had no, no clue that you were going to get pregnant. Um, illness is a, a major one in addition to living through an, um, a disaster or also um, losing a, a relative by way of death or divorce. So the symptoms of adjustment disorder however it, it 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 literally is the same as depression which is why they call it adjustment disorder but we know that some people call it situational depression. Mm-hmm. So you have tearfulness, you have you know feeling hopeless, a loss of interest. Um we have worry and excess worry um anxiety people tend to isolate themselves when they have adjustment disorder due to what they're going on it's hard to adjust so you sometimes don't want to be around a lot of people um it actually physically can manifest itself into headaches believe it or not um and then also at worst it can it can also physically become a problem with sleeping mm-hmm. due to you know depression already having like a a sleep um deficit anyway whether sleeping too much or not sleeping enough and then also um it can become a, a issue with usage of alcohol and or other drugs right and i uh just to piggyback off of what you off of what you were saying i also read an article by uh, mm-hmm. valencia Higuera, and mm-hmm. this article was medically reviewed by dr tom uh, timothy lig who's okay. a phd mm-hmm. and um she states that you know recovery is possible yes. once an individual mm-hmm. comes to terms with the new situation however we just have to get to that point correct so you have to be intentional about fighting right, depression, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and then exactly. some people, you know, have a, a a big diagnosis like major depressive disorder, where it's it's literally a part of their lifestyle. But when it is just adjustment disorder or something, you really have to work at it. Exactly. So, exactly. Okay, so mom, I, I want to call you Janice, but it just don't feel right. <laughs> so where were you properly educated on sex in your household? No, um, I wasn't. My mom, although she did state for me to tell her Mm -hmm. when I was ready, when I was, yeah, when I was ready, (laughs) Uh there was no discussion as it related to sex. as a teen I'm sorry, not as a teen parent at the time, but as a teen, you don't even really know when you're ready. (laughs) No, you don't. You (laughs) don't. You don't. Yeah, so were you ashamed of being a teen parent or mom? I can say that being a teen mom most definitely had a shameful moment. Especially when it was deter when, you know, it was determined that I was gonna be a single mom. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when I really, really had to sit back and look at mm-hmm. what you know, look at this situation, the situation that I created, mm-hmm. you know, where I assisted in creating. And, you know, I almost I was I was I was a spectator cool. in my own life at that time. Mm-hmm. So I began to look at life, at my life, and all that had transpired in within 17 years of my life, right? Cool. So from birth to that particular time. And so I, I began to just look at it and look at it as, as a spectator and through spectator lenses. And it was at that moment when I understood and I knew that I wanted more for my children. And so, although I was still very broken at that time, I became a woman with a mission. Correct. And, you know, I love when you say you started to look at your life through a spectator's lens because, you know, I often say that depression comes from being a spectator so whether right. it's being a spectator or being self-critical or having people criticize you i think at that age you know you probably heard a lot of criticism right. from people around you mm-hmm. you probably had a lot of naysayers telling you that you weren't going to make it or be able to amount to anything right right but then also you're thinking to yourself with your 17 year old brain and mindset how am I gonna overcome the situation? Right, right, right. Which essentially is the reason why we called it prevailing against all eyes because your seventeen year old self did not know that. No. But now at your age you see that it was all for a purpose. Exactly. Yeah, so exactly. that that's crazy. But spectating is usually one of the causes of and criticism of, of right. depression actually. Right. Right. So you know, this next question is very special to me because um, it's pretty much how was it raising children in your era? And can you expound on what your era was? Well, I grew up and birthed mm-hmm. you guys doing a very, I grew it was, it was, I think the era was traumatic in and of itself. I believe so I grew up. Um, During the crack era Or Mm -hmm. what many of us refer to as the crack epidemic Mm -hmm. The crack epidemic was a time frame In our country from around the mid-1980s To about the early Or I would say even Up until the Mm -hmm. mid-1990s The crack epidemic Infiltrated our already Fragile family system Right Mm -hmm. And it infiltrated our community And it further tore it down Yes Okay. So, um, the effects of this epidemic is currently still, mm-hmm. it still affect, uh, this generation mm-hmm. and uh, a generation in which you've termed the fatherless generation, yes. um, a term that, like I said, I heard you refer to, and even almost thirty, um, thirty years later, because you you'll be thirty this year, mm-hmm. it still has its effect yeah. because a lot of, you know, your peers had fathers who were either murdered correct. fathers who um, went to jail for the sales and distribution of the mm-hmm. drug you know a lot of your peers suffer from parents whether it was a father a mother or both who were you know who were murdered because of the violence yes. that we suffered during this particular epidemic yes. I was um I, I went and I did some just looking to see where we were, you know, because like I said, our our homes were mm-hmm. very fragile, the family time. system, mm-hmm. and it still continues to be fragile, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? But um, the U.S. National uh, Library of Medicine um, said around the time of emancipation to around the mid to late 1960s, you know, um, around 20 percent of our families were headed by a single fa- by a single parent primarily the mother and between that time mm-hmm. so from emancipation to 1960 wow. um it remained steady 20 percent is still a large number in our community and even that time frame the emancipation right. to 1960 right right wow. right and so by the time right. the crack epidemic hit Mm -hmm. This percentage increased to over fifty percent. Oh my god. Um, this increase could be attributed to again, one of both parents addicted to the drug, jail for the sales or distribution of the drug, or them even being murdered, um, due to the extreme violence that we saw going on in our community. Right. Because that in that time frame everything was about ownership, everything was about territory. Um, and then again, you know, it was threefold. So you had people, you know, leaving their families, mm-hmm. you had people either, either dying from, like you said, the violence mm-hmm. of it. And then also, you know, just not being there because they were so addicted and strung out right, on the right. drug. And, and keep in mind, and I'm sorry, but keep in mind that even if you had an addictive, let's just say a addictive father and you know, but both parents were were in the home. It still really was headed by a single by person, a single parent. Because yeah, when you're addicted to something. You know, even if you were a functional parent, right? You, if you were in your bedroom using while your child was in their bedroom, exactly, that's dysfunctional because you you get high, you don't know what they can find. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And then also, my concern is because now I'm looking at my generation, mm-hmm. and I often say, you know, it's hard for my generation to submit to authority, mm-hmm. and I believe it's because there is there was no authority figure, right, that they really could look up to. Right. So, if you, right. so now our generation is also very Lost like I hate to say this, but we go from trend to trend Mm -hmm. from thing to thing, and Mm -hmm. I think it's because we don't really know we're looking for answers in in everything other than the source, which is God, exactly, and then also the answers that we needed from our identity, Mm -hmm. which is our parents, Mm -hmm. they're not available because they're either still locked up, still in prison. Um, dead or they're even still on drugs. Right, 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 right. So I like what you said about it being a very fragile home life. It was. So, um, on your bad days, how did you fight your silent battles? Now, Kiki, that's a good question. And at this time, I just want to just insert a a small disclaimer because what we're discussing, this is nothing Mm -hmm. new to our family. It's It's just, you know, new to your, um, listening. listening audience, but you know, I, I love my parents and would do anything for my parents. However, I was reared in a very dysfunctional home. Mm -hmm. And for, I mean, a very dysfunctional home. And for many years, I held on to extreme anger and bitterness because of it. So I never really dealt with um, my silent battles. Mm -hmm. I I really suffered in silence. I'm a mother's only child. Mm -hmm. I had no siblings in the household. So therefore, it was no one that I really trusted enough who I can vent to. Correct. You know, so mm-hmm. I kept it bound up inside. Now, yeah. my best friend since seventh grade, she was aware of my home life. Mm-hmm. Um, and but it wasn't until I met my husband that I fully disclosed the extent Correct. of the traumas that I went through. Mm-hmm. Um. And Mm -hmm. not until my mid-30s, probably about 35 or 36, when I began to understand mental health and Mm -hmm. the importance of mental health and the importance of being mentally healthy, especially for you guys. Correct. Um... I, that's when I underwent intensive therapy. Mm-hmm. It was there where, where, like I said, I opened that closet door Come on. and I was forced to have to deal with all of that junk that I had piled yes. inside. Mm-hmm. The the things that I had suppressed, the things that I dared not, I just didn't mm-hmm. want to think about it. You know it how you move business. on with your life and you feel like I can do it because, you know, you you're raising your kids, mm-hmm. you're Kind of like living the quote unquote American dream, you're and you're working, d- yeah, you're, you're doing okay. School. Yeah, you're mm-hmm. doing it. You you feel like you know I'm doing okay, but you are literally it. Those issues were still there, and they would actually show themselves in certain in in, in certain things that I went through. Correct, or, right? You know mm-hmm. what I mean. So I could I was pretty much functional, or so I thought functional, mm-hmm. but. You can see it in certain breakdowns that I, what I went through that I really, really struggled. Yeah. So it's a song by Jonathan McReynolds called, you're walking with your limp. So he basically talks about how as, as people, we sometimes break our legs and then we learn to just walk on the Yeah. So he said, you know, we walk with our limbs and as African-Americans, I feel that we're very resilient. Mm Mm-hmm. "Quote unquote resilient, but at the same time, it's it's not because I know even you will often say is you're not necessarily resilient if you're self medicating, yeah, if you're using drugs because that's that's what mm-hmm. we do. We we say oh we're such a resilient people, and we've said that since the time since when we landed on the shore yes. and the things that our forefathers and our ancestors had to go through. Mm-hmm. However," Those are generations and generations of alcoholism, opioid abuse, yes. or just things that we did to try to just get through. We self-medicated. So mm-hmm. we really weren't resilient. No. We were just... We were masking Right, it. exactly. Because yeah. we're going to wake up with the same problem. With the same problem. And uh-huh. you have to catch the next time to, to get exactly. that last yesteryear problem but Mm -hmm. it's still a problem in your current day right um and also i love what you said about therapy about you know the importance of going to therapy to open up that closet and shine light on those traumatic experiences mm-hmm. as a child. Mm-hmm. Um, because a lot of people think that, you know, just because they go to the altar and then they give their life to Christ, which, yeah, you need to do that. Right. But you also, God also want us to deal with those issues exactly. on a professional level. Exactly. That's why he put, that's why he put, He he. that's why we have these resources. Correct. And let me just say, it's very important. And I made sure when I saw it canceling that she was Christian based. Correct. I think it's so important because a lot of times once we give our life over to Christ, you know, we'll mm. all I need is Jesus and that's mm. it. You know, we won't even see about our physical health. Meaning Correct. it could be something that's going on and we we won't, we'll forego uh, surgeries and just getting the proper and necessary checkups that we need within our community. Mm. We just deal with it. Correct. So, you know, a lot of times, like once we give our life over to Christ, we think that's it. Mm. But for me, it was important for her to be able to make the Bible and what God say, Correct. her foundation. Yes. And then she was able to, you know, she, she was able to, you know, give me the strictures that I needed to get through and mm-hmm. get through my day and to heal and to heal correctly Correct. without the limp, Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. But then she was also able to open psychology today or whatever yes. journal it was uh-huh. and give me, you know, the scientific Correct. diagnosis. Yes. And and resources that were so helpful that I could, you know, just seek additional help if I needed to yes. or whatever I needed. So it was just, it, it was important for my, the person that I saw to implement the biblical mm-hmm. aspect as well as the scientific. And it, and it's crazy that as Christians, we believe that, you know, God created us, but he didn't create our mind. And he, he doesn't mm-hmm. know how our mind is supposed to function. I think apostles stated yesterday that we were meant to be loved. We weren't meant to be abused or rejected. Exactly. So that's the reason why God has therapists and psychologists and psychiatrists there mm-hmm. so that they we can identify those issues and start working on mm-hmm. those issues mm-hmm. on a professional level. Exactly. So my next question for you is um what made you understand the importance of having the sex talk with your girls? So, I was determined that you guys mm-hmm. would experience life a little differently than my own. Okay. And I wanted you to experience life as a true kid. Correct. Um, a life that didn't include prematurely having ki- having to raise kids on your own. Mm-hmm. I-, I simply wanted you guys to enjoy being a kid without all of that those extra complications mm-hmm. that came along with just simply living. Correct. You know, um, I wanted to be the one to have that talk with you. I didn't want you guys to be misinformed or fed incorrect information by your peers. So it was important to me to give it to you guys. Of course, when you became age appropriate and I knew it would be a time when, you know, because, you know, when we're young, our, our parents don't give or us as parents don't give our kids credit. They don't. Mm-hmm. They think that we, as children, we think that you all hold this little naive persona of a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And and that's the thing I think as a parent who was only 15 and 17 years older than my kids and I wasn't that far removed mm-hmm. from the school system and, you know, just being a kid. Correct. I understood that Yeah, being a kid still had a certain naivete about it. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, once you get around other kids that know a little bit more. And who were even exposed to more. Exactly. Exactly. So it was important that I discussed the sex topic, give you guys information as it related to STDs, as it related to... You know, just even with soul ties. Correct. The emotional because as kids we're also intense. We could be very intense about certain things. Yes, we can. So when we do it, we're 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 gone. Yeah. We're gone with it. So and at that time as a child, you're not emotionally capable of handling such an intense relationship no you're not and then the reality of that is like when you said about that you know you were I want to also let the viewers know that my mom was very adamant about giving us the sex talk from all perspectives so from the soul type perspective from the STD Mm -hmm. perspective and then also from the being a teen parent perspective, um, you know, it was literally one of those situations where she told us that when you have sex with one person, you're literally having sex with all the right. people they had sex with. Right, right. Including, I hate to go there, some of these kids were molested. Exactly. So let's not talk about a rape or molestation. Right. The less that comes with that right, or right. the... um the trauma that comes with that right. and the generational curses that can come with that. Exactly. You see what I'm saying? Exactly. So, you know, we talked, she gave us that perspective, but then the STDs, you know, by the, between her just telling me about the STDs and teen pregnancy, I think at that point, cause she never said it in a fearful way, but it's just, she made us aware. Right. And so I understood at a 15 year old age, what AIDS were. What HIV is and Mm -hmm. how those things can manifest itself, and the sad part about it is teens. Some people will get pregnant or catch a STD their first time having sex. Exactly. Can you imagine how traumatizing that is? Exactly. Mm Exactly. And and also it was important to me to make you guys feel as comfortable as possible to actually come in and talk to me. I wanted you because sometimes I could be over the top. Don't get me wrong. You know what I mean? But I also... She was very gung-ho about <laughs> sex education. Yeah, but I also had an open door and currently yes. still ha- always had an open door mm-hmm. policy. I wanted you guys to feel comfortable with coming to me. And I think just having that talk, sitting down and having that talk with your children, it opens the door for other dialogue, right? It does. And it mm-hmm. makes them feel comfortable with coming to you as a parent and sitting down. And even to this day... You and your sister, we can have Mm -hmm. intense conversations about anything under the sun. And I love, I absolutely, I absolutely love that because as adults, you guys value my opinion. You Mm -hmm. know, you, you come to me to kind of vent, but you also come to kind of, sometimes we have to, talk our way we have to actually talk our way out of situations yes, in order do. to get some sort of insight. Correct. So with that it, it it it's just important because from just being able to talk to you guys as an adult now when I when when you guys talk to me, I never judge. No, you don't you know whether I approve or 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 or, or, or not mm-hmm. you know I listen. Correct. I hear your perspective or your side of it. Now I am going to say What I think. Because you're a mother. Right, right. (laughs) And and, and, and as a mother, you know, we want to keep you guys from, I think, for me as a parent, Mm -hmm. I can only speak for myself, I would rather you guys not have to go through it or not have to deal with it. Correct. Whereas, Mm -hmm. you know, my husband, your dad would prefer you guys to... Stay on the straight in there, yeah, and there, and, Yeah, and he'll say, you know, they have to go through it. They yeah. have to learn from it. Yeah. So, but, you know, for as a, as a mother, we're more of the nurturer. We want to yes. protect you from it. So, at all costs, we're going to tell you, you go that way, this is what's going to happen. Gonna you happen. touch that stove, you're going to get burned. Whereas your father may say, no, let him go ahead and touch it. Yeah, correct. Because, see, you know, it's a part of your experience. It's a part of your testimony. And it also you know, I just thank God for a praying mom, parent, praying, praying grandparents, because, you know, some situations could have ended up a whole lot worse, but right. thank God that they didn't. Right. But at the same time, you know, that guys, listeners, I do want to encourage that you do have the sex talk and by sex talk, not just like, if you have sex, you're going to get pregnant. No, I mean the sex talk, Right. Talk about STDs. Talk about the emotional stuff, like the soul ties, the soul, the soulish issues. Uh-huh. Also talk about teen pregnancy because, you know, I'm not trying to be funny, mom, but we think having a baby is worse. No, I think if you're a 17-year-old and it's your first time having sex and you catch an STD, mm-hmm. that's, that's, that can be very traumatic as well. Mm-hmm. So with that being stated, don't just not have that conversation with your kids because, yes, my mom was 15 and 17 years old when she had me and my sister, but I currently don't have kids and I'm going on 30. My sister had her first child at 23, so it was preventative. Right. Like, she was able to prevent a generational curse by her ability to just simply communicate and have right, an open door. Right. So right. So I do want to just encourage you guys to make sure you're having that talk because the world or these children are going to educate them. Right. Which leads us into our segue. Um, generational curses. How How do you think being a teen parent assisted you with breaking generational curses? Well, I just simply wanted more for you guys. I wanted mm-hmm. more, and that and that still goes hand in hand with the open dialogue. Um, because even now like i said you guys talked to me about any and everything under the sun and um a couple of weeks ago i was talking to your sister and you know sometimes I, you know sometimes i cannot hear some things uh you know but I, but i understand sometimes you just have to get it off your chest Correct. and then she was like you know what mom you have turned into my best friend Correct. because she know that it's a no judgment zone for me. Yeah. Again, I'm going to tell her <laughs> what it is, what it is <laughs> but it's up to you guys to to decide because mm-hmm. it's your will. You know, That's I can true. tell you what I think and how I feel that you should handle it, but it's still up to you guys. That is but true. But I just feel like when you know better, you do better. Yep. It's also very important for me to self disclose when mm-hmm. it came to you guys because I feel like. Like, how do I want to say it? Like, as parents, we make a lot of mistakes. Wow. We make a lot of mistakes. We can do things that can hurt our children to the core. Mm-hmm. And I think if you, self, if you self-disclose, even if they don't understand it at the moment. Eventually. Eventually, see. once they have children, mm-hmm. they can say, I see why, you know, she I got that, that from us. Or I got that from her. I can see why she reacted this way to this. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times when you have kids, sometimes it shine the light on, you know, um, you can say, Lord. I, I guess what I'm trying to say is your kids can can become angry um, simply because of the way that they were reared and, and, and parented, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. But once they understand or Once you disclose, like, this is what I've been through, mm-hmm. you show them your scars, you know, you take that band aid off that bullet wound and you show them what you've been through. Yes, kids, kids, usually, as they get, even though they may not understand it at that particular they time, with right? It. They mm-hmm. can give you grace because now they can say, Well, I understand wow. why. Look at the trauma she's right, been look what she's been through. And you know what, for me, um my mom will say things like i could have made better choices but i always give her mom of the year of the century whatever (laughs) award you do but i will honestly say that that's the reason why i even started this platform was because i i did a genogram in one of my classes Mm -hmm. and it required me to go back and by going back i had to go back all the way down to our grandmother Betsy, mm-hmm. and I saw the generational curses, right? It, like, that's the thing about the genogram. This is it's so scary because you literally see divorce, divorce, alcoholic, alcoholic. Right. Um, it, it shows it you. It shows you. So, it I showed you. It was like, no one in my family, I think, from my grandma, my mom's mom, Um, other than my grandma, actually has remained married their entire duration. It was a lot of people, even down to, um, even down to the millennials in our in our family who have been divorced, if they were married, they had gotten a divorce right and so what happens is is that you can't revoke a curse if you don't even recognize that exactly, it is a curse. Exactly. Exactly. So the only way you can revoke a curse is by going back, mm-hmm. doing your family history. So how did my mom break the generational curse of us not having children? Even though her mom had her at 15, she had me at 16 was because she talked about it. She recognized that it was a curse. Mm-hmm. How will I break it? Is I broke it because I don't have children. Right. At, a, at I didn't have kids at a young age. And my kids won't, mm-hmm. you know, and that's also when I saw the divorce rates in my family, I realized that make sure you marry the one. Make sure exactly. you marry the right person for it's yourself. It's so important. Correct. It's so important Correct. because, I mean, I mean and even though, you know, you saying that makes a world of difference because your dad was my biggest cheerleader. Correct. Mm-hmm. He, he wanted to make sure that every goal that I set, you accomplished that I accomplished and that's the part of breaking generational curses as well is because you know in our family I saw that there was a lot it was a lot of lack of education Mm -hmm. um maybe they were educated but they didn't further their education in terms of like with getting a diploma in terms of with like college Mm -hmm. and so it's just one of those situations where when I did that genogram I recognized myself more Mm -hmm. so I was able to see maybe why the spirit of fear is in my family maybe Mm -hmm. why you know, divorce rates are so high in my family because we've never dealt with the curse. Mm-hmm. Alcoholism, because my grandfather was an alcoholic. That's right. And now I'm looking at the fact that that's And a that, was that was paternal and maternal. And maternal. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So that he he was born in what like the 1900s um 1920 so your 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 maternal uh grandfather was born in 1911 correct and, and grandma was and, born. and uh your grandmother was born in 1917 however my paternal grandfather was born in 1929 correct so you see what i'm saying like so the reality of that situation is his Grandparent, his parents were both alcoholics mm-hmm. and they weren't even there. Mm-hmm. So can you imagine not realizing in 1920, you're not going to pay attention to oh my god, I'm slipping into alcoholic ways like my parents mm-mm, were. You don't pay attention to that. Mm-mm. So those that is a generational curse from all the way back in 1920. Exactly. It, it's 2020 right now. Exactly. So that's what I'm 100 saying. A hundred later, years later. Almost, I had to yeah. do my genogram and oh yeah. go back and now that's why I'm on this mission with the whole story Sunday exactly. because I want you guys to do your genogram. We're mm-hmm. going to do a podcast about that. Okay, so mm-hmm. now I want to um, discuss what advice do you have for teenage parents now? No, that's a that that's another good question, Kiki, because you know, I think this message is suitable not only for the teen um, mom mm-hmm. or even the teen dad who who's doing it on their own oh, for oh, whatever man. reason, right? Yes. This message is also for, in my opinion, young mothers mm-hmm. who may have um a spouse, mm-hmm. who may have a significant other, mm-hmm. who's hand very hands on um with this child or children Mm -hmm. because a lot of times those women who may like yourself and like Ara have waited they may have been through some trauma correct as it as it as it um relates to being hurt by parents Mm -hmm. and things of that nature and they just don't know what to do because you, you you you've we get so consumed by wanting to do it, right? We don't want to be our parents. We, wanna, we want to be, quote-unquote, the super parent. And we sometimes tend to fall into those same habits. Wow. So, my advice to even young parents, but especially to the teens, is don't allow your circumstance um, to silence your dream. Come on. You have to understand that... A delay isn't a denial. Talk about that. You mm-hmm. know, because we so we we look at our circumstance and we're like, Lord, what am I gonna do? You know, I was I was blessed in my situation because again, my husband is very supportive. Wow. And so you know, I had a strong support system. You know, your grandparents on both sides played because at, at a certain time, of course, my parents became saved. So, and you know your dad um, your biological father's parents always were very hands on mm-hmm. so I had a good support system mm-hmm. i ha- you know and my then you know your your father stood in a gap to make sure that i that that I did what I had to do because he understand mm. our rise was our rise our ri- come on talk about that so yes. my degree wasn't just mine it was, it was, it was his. his because you know what you have some men who can be kind of I guess I hate to say it but not as supportive when mm-hmm. it comes to their women being going to come right, up right. but if you find a secure man ladies then they will yeah, be okay exactly. and they will understand that what's exactly. yours is theirs so mm-hmm. I just want to I'm happy that you said that right and, and at times like I said we can look out a window and not see anything. We can't see the, Come on. we can't see past our hands. We can look out of a door and not see <sighs> through that closed door. However, that. when we lack perception, mm-hmm. God never lacks promise he's gonna gonna one more time when we lack perception Uh god never lacks promise correct he's going to do exactly what he said he's gonna do he don't he you know he's not even concerned because you know all, we, we can only see what things look like in the correct, natural. Correct. We, yes. we, we can't see what he's doing already in the supernatural and it's already done. So correct. we're lacking perception because right now it's, it, it looks muddy. It does. We can't mm-hmm. see anything, mm-hmm. but he never lacks perception promise promise and that is so true wow and that took me to that particular that that particular just just thinking about that Mm. took me to uh numbers 23 and 19 and Mm. i'm reading out of the erv version the easy read version (laughs) but god um that that particular verse um states that god is not it's not man he will not lie god is not a human being his decisions will not change. Mm-hmm. If he says he will do something, then he will do it. Wow. If he makes a promise, then he will do what he promised, and that's what we have to stand firm Come on. on. We have to that. we have to stand firm on knowing that whatever he said that he's gonna do, he's gonna do it. And secondly, um, if I had the opportunity, my husband my husband has a saying. Um, guys and he says this all the time if you have the opportunity to get it right the first time get it right right. Mm. do not repeat those same cycles like I said it's so easy for us to fall back Mm. into those trends or the lessons that we learned from our parents you know it's so easy for us to do that but if you have if Mm. if you know just knowing that you want to be a better version of yourself or uh, uh, 200% times um better version of your parents you know get it right the first time that try so try to amazing. avoid those things that mm. you know will take you back to the things that hurt you or wow. the traumas that hurt you as a child mm. You know, we know that hurt people hurt people. So basically, even if you have to sit down and you have to get counsel, because a lot of times I'm going to tell you, Mm. there is no way to get through certain things without God, number one. But number two, there is no way to get to to have that breakthrough. You have to sit down on somebody's because you know what? I I think people think that they're getting through it because you could even be you could even be well accomplished. Yeah. You have a house, a car, everything. Like celebrities, they're well accomplished materially and you know by way of um, the accolades but the reality of the situation you have Grammy Award winners who kill themselves. Exactly. Who overdose on opioids and drown in bathtubs. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that means that that is that's trauma, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. That they've never dealt with. So it would have happened if Whitney Houston would have sat on someone's couch. Exactly. Or if Michael Jackson would have sat exactly. on someone's couch. Exactly. Would they even still be living today? We exactly. don't know. We don't know that. You know what right. I'm saying? So I said that to say, you know, guys, get get the accolades, get the degrees, get the, the numbers and the I mean the letters behind your name. Get the big bank account, but also make sure you get the mental help because the mental health, the spiritual help is what's gonna keep you at mm-hmm. that level. It's That's gonna right. keep you from crashing That's and crumbling right. down that's right so yeah and so and lastly you know speak life into your children talk about that one you know so so many times you know we can look at these kids and say oh you just like your dad mm. you just like your mom yes. no yes. speak life into these children let these children come into the world knowing <laughs> that they on. are somebody yeah, they are knowing that they could be any and everything, everything. Yes. i mean you guys birth. You know, because right now we, you know, for our children, I think the only thing that they can see is, you know, I, I, I want to be a basketball player. Yes. I want to be a rapper. I want, but they can be, listen, it's, we have so much more in us. Yes. And if we could tap into mm-hmm. it if we can understand and believe hmm. that this is what our children will become your children are going to believe that well can I add to that Mm -hmm. because I remember growing up y'all and I did not know how to sing a lit and I still don't Mm -hmm. but you would have never told me that because I told her I wanted to be a singer Mm -hmm. now that was not my talent Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. and I think as a young girl you see people like Beyonce and a lot of the celebrities and you know I was big in pop so Christina Aguilera and I'm like I want to be a singer but at the same time that was not my skill set Right. However, you know, I can remember your response from when I was saying to you and mm-hmm. you were cringing to when I wrote <laughs> my first poem. Right. And then I then that's when you said, oh, yeah, Kiki, this is your talent. Mm-hmm. So you would have just said to me singing like, OK, OK, Kiki, I understand. That'll be good one day. Mm-hmm. Da, 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 da. Maybe we'll get lessons. But when I wrote my first poem her response was Kiki you can write. Yeah. And that affirmed me and I all of a sudden forgot all about singing. And then I just gave all of my, my time and my efforts and to was writing. Excellent. And and then and, and and saying and she's that she's excellent at doing that. And I appreciate that, but in saying that I wanted to read her every single poem. I wanted to read her every single short story, every single narrative because even to this day because I realized that she she fed me when it came to that gift and she recognized the gift in me. And she's a published author. She doesn't give herself enough <laughs> enough credit, but she's actually a published writer. Yeah. So, with that being said, again, you know, we're going to speak life into our children. Correct. We're going to affirm them. Mm-hmm. We're going to validate them because again, you know, as a child, I wasn't validated, um, so I went outside searching for validation. for validation. And you know, not 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 even communicating with your kids is still not validated. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah, yeah. And so, I you know, and, and, and it's important that we validate because your kids will mm. fall for the first. Joe Smo or that. Um, Jane Doe that, that that tell them they're pretty or they're, that they're handsome or they're smart and they're beautiful mm-hmm. for whatever particular reason. And we fall for it because we have not had that validation. Mm-hmm. But the most important thing that I can say as it relates to your children mm-hmm. and what I would say to a teen mom or a young parent is advocate for your children. Come on. I mean, advocacy has always been a huge, huge, huge thing for me. Because my my thing when it comes to advocacy, Mm. I didn't have a voice, right? Correct. So as as a kid, you know that you could go to your parents. And they're, yeah, they're going to protect you. They're going to advocate for you. Mm. But when you don't get that protection or that advocacy that you need from a parent, Mm. then what? You're doing it on your own. Children can't speak for themselves. No, they can't. They can't, you know, fend Mm. for themselves. So as a parent, You have to stand in a gap for them. Yes, you do, and that's when you get these kids who are so angry who go on and fight and stuff like that because they that that's how they know to advocate for themselves, right? Believe it or not, they think it's protecting themselves. No, really, they're advocating for themselves. Exactly. Exactly. So that that is deep, and um, you know. I just thank God that also you advocated for me because you saw that I didn't have intellectual disability. No, no. You knew me as a kid because you knew your your kid. That's another thing, guys. Pay attention to your kids, right? So you can know. Like, I'm sure if I was autistic or I had some type of issue with special education, you would have noticed, right? Because and I would have been, I would have been the first to say. Because again, I would never have you in a situation where you're gonna absolutely struggle. Correct. Because my goal was to get you to and through school and on to. The very next thing. Correct. So mm-hmm. therefore, I would have been the first to say, "Okay, this is what she needs." But I knew you—you you were a, a, an extremely mm-hmm. shy child. Mm-hmm. So the things and the characteristics that you displayed at home wasn't what you displayed in school. In school so you—you—you you, you were very shy. You were very quiet. Mm-hmm. So therefore, that your meekness and just mm-hmm. you know shy and kind of like off to yourself to them that displayed something else correct yep so and that's what i'm saying so i'm just so grateful that you advocated Mm -hmm. for us because even as you know what a 25 year old or 20 year old woman who had kids you knew enough to advocate right so that's amazing and that speaks to your um human services as well your human service background right right um so the last question that i wanted to ask was first of all Do you love your 15 year old self? And what would you tell your 15 year old self? So I can tell you right now as, as an, as an adult, Mm -hmm. um, as a 45 year old woman, no, I did not love myself at Mm -hmm. 15. Mm -hmm. I absolutely did not. Because if I loved myself, Mm -hmm. of course, I love you and your sister to pieces. Y'all would be here, but y'all would not be. Right now, we wouldn't be 30. <laughs> we, you wouldn't be 30. You wouldn't be 27, right? <laughs> so, I, but I can say that I absolutely did not love my 15-year-old mm-hmm. self. And looking at just looking at the questions, when I was reviewing the questions that you had sent, I said, I would go as, I really would like to speak to that five or six-year-old Janice when I first um, when I was first able to remember or had a memory mm. of going through trauma, right? Wow. Um, as it related to my parents and their issues, so Come but. On. I, you know, you still, a you, you know, you're just a kid at that mm-hmm. time. But so, but however, it was. It, it's important that I sit down and speak to that adolescent or that pre-adolescent or that preteen, mm-hmm. um, Janice. So I probably would speak to that 12 or 13 year old Janice. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I would tell her is to love yourself the absolute most. Come on, talk about that. Loving yourself will be what allows you to keep those who don't at bay. Mm-hmm. Because, see, when you love yourself, can't nobody else tell you anything. Anything about yourself. But you know, And I tell everybody, that, that, you know, I say I love myself the absolute most because I know that I'm never going to allow anybody to harm me. Because if you don't love yourself, you can't love those around you. No, you cannot. You don't you you can't love those around you. Mm. So, if I love myself and I know I'm never going to cause harm to myself, mm. what do you think I'm going to do for the ones that I love? Thank thank you. And ooh, the reality of that is that people parents do not love themselves right. So they cast trauma to right. their kids. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the second thing would be to dream and never stop dreaming. Thank you. And when I say dream and never start. Stop dreaming. I mean, dream the biggest dream. This -hmm. is what I tell myself Mm -hmm. dream the biggest dream that you could ever dream. Correct. Be extra creative with those dreams. Mm -hmm. And I say extra creative, even when it seems like when you tell people, that's why sometimes you can't tell people. (laughs) Because yes. they're abort your mission. Yes, they will. So that's Let's why. Because sometimes, that. if you're passionate like me, you get excited about it. Exactly, and you want to tell people. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So sometimes, you you know, you have to. It's unfortunate, but you can't share it with mm-hmm. everybody. But I said, because you can tell them something and they'll, they'll laugh in your face. Correct. And girl, go ahead. But I say be extra creative with those dreams. Yes. No matter how crazy they may sound to one person or somebody else. Be extra creative. Talk and I say that. that because it's going to be those dreams and knowing that they will eventually come true. That's what's going to keep you going, man. So Ooh. I would tell my 15 year old self or, or my 13, 12 or 13 year old self is I know it looks bleak now. But baby, that's why you walk by faith. And not yes, but baby, when I tell you it's going to be good, it's going to be good. And your kids going to be. good. Yes. You prepare yourself and you brace yourself because Mm. I say, I often say, and I tell this to my husband, if I had to go through and endure what I had to go through a hundred times over and it led me right to this exact place in life Mm. and space and time. I would do it all over again. And the great thing about it is you're only at the tip of the iceberg yes. of what your blessings are yes. going to look yes. like. Yes, yes, wow. come on. And lastly, I would say, you know, um, enjoy your youth. Tuh. And this is kind of like two parts. I say, mm. you know, enjoy your youth. And you're saying this even as a teen parent. Right. Why wow. Enjoy your youth because, you know, of course, being a teen parent or at the time, at this particular time, I mm-hmm. wasn't a teen parent. Oh, okay. So that's why I would speak to the fifteen, year old the, 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 the twelve, 12 or thirteen year old 13 self. Mm-hmm. self because, you know, we all and my grandmother used to use the term "manish," meaning mm-hmm. you're grown. Oh. You know, you you you're being grown. You're being manish. Uh-huh. So, and when we're that young, we want to be grown. We want to rush to adulthood Mm -hmm. Oh, i can't wait till i get 18 or i can't wait till i get 20 Hmm. take your time wow you know you're gonna have plenty of time to be an adult yes you are and you're often not gonna like it no no you're not gonna once you Hmm. become an adult you're not gonna like adulting so you know just take your time because there are no redos in life you do not get any redos hmm. i mean life is trial and error you're not going to get any redo. You're not going to get a chance to 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 redo it. So, take your time. Don't rush growing up. You are going to be an adult in due time. Wow. And the last time, the last thing I have to say is as it relates to that is and that's what I, this is what I often tell you and your sister is, don't waste time. Mm. Don't waste time on people, places and things that you know mm. is you know it's just a waste don't waste time because you don't get time back you don't um you know okay like yesterday we were driving along and we mm-hmm. saw a fella who was yes. in a, a really bad accident yes motor he was on a motorcycle, motorcycle accident so we uh-huh. both just started praying and the reality that came to my mind was That man, based off the the looks of him, he probably was in his 30s or 20s or, you know, Mm -hmm. or whatnot. And I was thinking to myself you know, I'm only about to be 30 in December and, and I still don't feel like I've explored everything that I want to explore in life. Mm -hmm. So with that being stated, it reminds you that life is very short and that if I'm 30 and I still don't feel like I've done everything, Mm -hmm. imagine what the person who's 50 or 60 and let their life rock feel. And we think we have so much time and we don't have that much time. So don't waste it. So that's, that's profound to say, because mm-hmm. it, it will harken you to say, I'm going to cut this person off because they're not, they're not beneficial. It's no love laws, but this job I hate, I got to go because it's not beneficial. Exactly. And that's what I can say about my mom. If she get to a place, she'll give it a try, but if she ain't feeling it, Mm-mm. She out the door, <laughs> quick, fast, and in a hurry. I'm not even gonna stay and around. This people, thing. you know, and and I'm happy that she instilled that in us because I feel like I can make decisions in a world of people who can be very indecisive. Exactly. So I am grateful that you've instilled that into us. Mm-hmm. So, guys, this will conclude the um first of all fourth episode of the whole story Sundays, um, season one. I thank you guys for, you know, hopping on the Hill and Ship to discuss prevailing against all odds. And I look forward to seeing you guys back in September for um, the Elephant in the Room series, where we'll be discussing suicide awareness, being that September is Suicide Awareness Month. So thank you guys. And Janice, I thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Bye, guys. Uh Bye bye. Bye.